tonight, if you have your Bible with you, and I hope that you do, you will take your copy of God's Word and be finding the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be looking tonight at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in just a moment. While you're turning there, uh, the title of the message tonight, as I begin to write this uh, message, as God began to pour it on my heart, uh, I was thinking, Lord, it's race weekend, you know. Uh, probably uh, everybody's gonna, that's, that's gonna be there tonight uh, probably has a relationship with you. But guys, I never take that for granted. But tonight, I wanted to talk to you about a subject matter that I believe that no matter who you are, this ought to speak to your life as God has directed us. We wanna talk on the subject matter tonight called hope. Everybody say that with me. What? Hope. Now, when I walked in tonight, I, I buzzed around and said out hello to a lot of you and welcomed you tonight. Thank you for coming to church. And as I made my way through this vast auditorium, I walked over there by Lee Lowe, set right there. And uh, he's, Lee is so cool, y'all. I love, I used to love Lee, but I, I love him still a little bit. But uh, I walked over there to him and Mr. Pat Ship, who is sitting over there, and most of you know that Pat Ship normally is up to no good, right? I mean, I'm not real sure he's going to go to heaven when he dies, but the fact of the matter is Pat's over there, and he says to Lee Lowe, Lee, tell Brother Jackie what the title of the message means to you tonight. Now, you can tell that Lee's very innocent, and uh, I can almost tell you that Pat had prepped him for the answer to the question. Now, remember... The question that, I, that, that Pat said that Lee ought to answer is, Lee, tell Brother Jackie what the message title means to you tonight. And Lee said to me, it means I hope we get out of here early tonight. Amen. <laughs> so, so I want you to know uh, that Lee, uh, Lee is praying hard for that to come to fulfillment tonight. And, and so, uh, Lee, thank you for your divine message of hope uh, for us tonight. And probably everybody here would agree with Lee by saying amen. Don't you dare do that. Don't you dare do that. Tonight, as we open our Bible to the book of 1 Thessalonians, we find that Paul is writing to the believers in Thessalonica concerning a subject matter that all of us have a particular interest in, and that is this, will we be resurrected? And of course, you remember the scripture uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where Paul begins to give uh, a direct answer to the resurrection. Uh, will people be alive again? Will we be resurrected in the profound answer to that question is a resounding yes we will uh, we will one day see the Lord ladies and gentlemen Jesus is going to come back again and thank God for that and Paul says I don't want you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not even as others who have no hope the last part of that verse put it on the screen that you sorrow not even as others who have what church no hope. Underline that in your Bible, just the last part of that verse. No hope. No hope. You know, I believe we're living in a world today, obviously, uh, that there are mountains of people that have no hope. No hope. Uh, obviously, when Paul was writing to the believers in Thessalonica, there was a group that he identified with that said, you know what, there is a group of people that have no hope. When I look around our world today, I think that I could also say that there is people in this world that are living their lives hopeless, that have no hope. 
Let me begin tonight by saying this to you. Do you have hope? Do you have a hope in your life? I can't even begin to imagine living life without hope. But I believe that today we're living in a world that a large majority of people have no hope. And I believe that people are looking for something to give them hope. And I believe that when we look around our world today, that you would agree that people are turning to everything and anything just to find a little hope. So the distinguishing character in the message of Paul's encouragement to the believer is you have hope. You have hope. And I want you to write this down. It's not in your notes, but it's powerful. As a believer, you always have hope. You are never a hopeless person if you know Jesus. You always have hope. How exciting it is to know that Paul, as you'll look in the scripture, he says that we are confident. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which I hold no hope. When I looked at that scripture, I said, yes, Lord, I see this. I, I understand this in my spiritual mind and in my heart. I began to look at that verse and it began to penetrate my heart and my mind because we know and understand that what he's talking about is one day the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ are going to rise. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord for the promise that one day we will be with Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah for that. But I want you to notice something that God showed me in that verse that he's never showed me before. And that is this. He said, sorrow not as others who have no hope. You know, when you look at your life and you look at life in general, obviously there is a connection that Paul makes around this subject. And I, I want you to notice this and we'll talk about it in a moment. But if you notice in your scripture, it says that you sorrow not as others who have no hope. Obviously, the connection to people who have no hope is a tremendous sorrow. A sorrow. When I looked at that, I began to put the two together that when people are hopeless, they're filled with sorrow. There must be something there that Paul is trying to encourage us with. That, that when we look at hope that we have, hope eliminates sorrow. But a life that is hopeless always has sorrow to it. When I begin to think about that, I begin to think about the wretched condition of this world, people that are hopeless, but yet they have sorrow. And they're always looking for something to fill that hole in their heart so that their sorrow will go away. Ladies and gentlemen, may I say to you today, nobody or nothing can take away the sorrow of your life except Jesus. Nobody can do that. There's nothing this world could produce for you in your life, in your heart, in your mind that could take away the sorrow of your life other than Jesus. If you don't know Jesus and you're not walking with him and you're not living your life for him and you're not vibrant in your walk with God, you'll always have sorrow in your life. And Paul was encouraging the believers, you have hope. You have hope. And because you have hope, you don't need to be sorrowful. I want, to, I want you to know this. And I, I think it's important to remember what I'm about to tell you. 
Lost people are hopeless without Jesus. If they don't know Jesus, they're hopeless. And a person that is a believer, I truly believe this, a person that is a believer that's out of fellowship with God has lost their hope. There's something that happens in your life when you're disconnected with Jesus, when you're not walking with him, when you're not in the place of fellowship with him. It's almost as if the devil comes in and robs you of your hope. And because the hope is robbed in your life, there is misery that sets in. And when misery sets in, there is a, there is a sorrow that comes with it. And I dare say today, ladies and gentlemen, that there are countless believers today that are out of fellowship with God. They're not walking in the vibrancy of the Holy Spirit. And because they're not walking with God and because they're not walking in the vibrancy of the Holy Spirit, there is an absence of the hope that they have in their life. And what is filled up our churches today is a spirit of sorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, when you get your eyes off Jesus, only sorrow remains. When you get your eyes distracted from Christ, only sorrow comes in. When you get your eyes deluded by the things of the world, only sorrow will invade your life. Paul says, I want to encourage you. I don't want you to sorrow as those who have no hope because as a believer you need to be reminded that there's hope in Christ. And we look over there to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3 and we find Peter saying the same thing in a different way to the believers there. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Which according to his what church? Abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a what? Lively hope. Can I get an amen? Do you have that tonight? Do you have a lively hope? living on the inside of you. If you have a lively hope tonight, let's give God praise lively in our spirit. Amen. I'd rather have a lively hope than a dead hope. Can I get an amen? When I, when I talk to believers, I think something's happened to your lively hope. We ought to have a lively hope, and that lively hope is begotten to us through the mercy of God, and it's, it's provided to us through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. How many of you believe that our Savior is alive? Yeah. And if he's alive, guess what we got, church? We've got hope. We've always got hope, no matter what valley you're walking through. No matter what's going on in your life, I love that song Bethany just sang. That no matter what's going on in your life, you've got hope in your life. Can I get an Amen. Anybody here ever been in a valley and you know that God has been with you in that valley? Anybody in here ever had to walk through some dark times and God's helped you through it? Anybody in here had some days that weren't so good, but you had hope that it was going to be better tomorrow? Can I get an amen? amen. Folks, for the believer, there's always hope. Thank God for that. Paul says it's begotten unto us again by a lively hope, by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. What a powerful thought that is. When I began to think about that, my mind went into something that I, I want to share with you tonight very quickly. How in the world can you have that hope? How in the world can you face this world today and have hope in your life? And when I thought about it, I thought, well, there's two things that always fit together when you think about hope, and that is this, faith and hope go together. Without faith, you don't have any hope. Can I get an amen? 
Faith is, in, is, the, is the essential element in your hope. If we didn't have faith, we couldn't have hope. Faith connects us with our hope. Faith is that which is the connector to everything that we cherish in our spiritual life. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourself, it's the gift of God. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. The Bible tells us all about faith all through it. If you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you can say this mountain, be thou removed, be cast in the sea, and it shall be done to you. Has your faith ever been tested? Hey, have you ever been in a place where your faith has just been stretched a little bit? If anybody's been there, can I get an amen? amen. The devil is a master at trying to interrupt your hope by interrupting your faith. When your faith gets interrupted, your hope gets interrupted. And when I thought about that, I thought, how in the world does that work? How does that work in my life? How can I put the two together and have a strong faith so that I can have a strong hope? Because you know, when trials and tribulations come your way and you ask this question, why God? Sometimes your faith gets tested. And when your faith gets tested, your hope gets interrupted. And when your hope gets interrupted, that's where the devil wants you because you, you forfeit your victory for the moment in your life. Now, we know that we'll always have hope for a new life in Christ, but I believe that what God wants you to have, are you listening, is not just hope for heaven, but hope for your journey. And I believe that faith is going to be that connecting part for you that's going to strengthen your hope. Because how many of you know, when you've got hope, you cannot be defeated. When you've got hope, you are strong. When you've got hope, you are more than conquerors through him that loves you. But if you lose your hope, that's when the devil begins to destroy you. So you've got to have a strong faith in order to have a strong hope. And faith is the connecting part of what you need to establish in your life so that no matter what may happen in your life, you can say, you know what, I've got hope because God has given it to me. I may be walking through a valley, but I've got hope. I may be going through a trial, but I've got hope. I may be in the fiery furnace, but I've got hope. Why? Because I have faith in my God. Can I get an amen? amen? My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's always going to be there. He will always come through for my life. And my friend, I've got hope in the victory of Jesus. Because of that, my life can be strong. My spiritual journey can be strong. And when your faith is interrupted, your hope is interrupted, and that's when the devil comes in and begins to distract you and defeat you. You've got to get back to your faith, your strong faith in the Lord, so that your hope will be strengthened in your journey. So, so let's think about it for a minute. What was the source of Abraham's faith? Now, now we know that Abraham is the father of the covenant, of the, the Abrahamic covenant, and we know that uh, when you study your Bible, you begin to realize that Abraham is a perfect picture of someone who had hope. Someone who, when it looked like all odds were against him, he had hope in God. And I want you to notice there that when you look at your Bible, you begin to see in chapter 4 of the book of Romans that Abraham was justified how? Does anybody know? By faith. Abraham was justified by faith. Not because... He was anybody special, more special than we are. Abraham was justified by faith just like we are. And I want you to notice this. In, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, 
as it is what? Everybody say that with me. As it is written. How many of you believe that God's word is written and it's sure? As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he both, what? Believed. Who did he believe? God. Next part of that verse. Who quickens the dead and call those things which be not as though they were. Now let's think about that for a minute. When you think about Abraham's source of faith, is his source of faith any different than yours? Now, you remember this, guys. Remember this. This is powerful. Let me ask that question again. Is Abraham's source of faith any different than your source of faith? All right, now write this down. His source of faith was God. In other words, he had faith in God, not his circumstances. Because his circumstances said, no way. He was beyond childbearing age and Sarah's womb was dead. But Abraham's faith was not in his circumstances, but in his God. Now remember what I'm about to tell you. Abraham's faith was so strongly established as a source of God that notice what he says in that verse. He says he believed in God. How many of you believe in God? Do y'all believe he's the same God today, yesterday, and forever? If you do, say amen. Do you believe he's the same God that hung the moon and the stars and told them where to stand? Do y'all believe that? So, how many of y'all believe he's the same God that has all the stars by name? Do you believe that? How many of you believe he's the same God that made the Red Sea split right up the middle? How many of you believe he's the same God that was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace? If you believe that, say it. How many of you believe he's the same God that was with Daniel in the lion's den? How, how many of you believe he was the same God that, that fed the children of Israel as they walked through the wilderness? You believe that, amen. How many of you believe he rained, rained manna from the sky and, and he provided the, the cloud by day and the fire by night? You believe that, say amen. How many of you believe he's the same God that rescued all the people of the, of the Bible, the stories? He's the God that walked on the water. How many of y'all believe that? Raised the dead, healed the lame, made the, made the, made the deaf hear, and, and made the lame walk. Do y'all believe that, church? Then, my friend, that same God is your God. Can I get an amen? And the Bible says that he quickens the dead. You know what that means? He brings life out of death. And I'm going to tell you, he can do that in your life. He, he causes dead men to be raised back to life. He stood at the grave of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came, he came forth. Do y'all believe that? Amen. He's the God that even though you are dead in your trespasses and sins, if you believe in him, he will make that which is dead come alive. You'll have a new life in him. Now think about this for a minute. Abraham believed God. His faith was in the true and living God, the God omnipotent, possessing all power, the power to breathe life into dead matter. The source of Abraham's faith was nothing more, nothing less than God himself. 
It was the God who creates, who was the source of Abraham's faith. He, he, he needs nothing to create because he is the creator. He can create something out of nothing. He can bring life into death. Listen to me. He can change your life. When you think about hope, are you listening? Your hope has to have faith in God. Because if you don't have faith in God, you're hoping in something that's not real, that's not eternal. People go, well, I hope it gets better. Why do you hope it gets better? Well, I'm just hoping it's going to get better. Well, my friend, listen to me. I'm a firm believer that it doesn't just have to get better. It can get greater. God can take nothing and make something out of it when all hope is gone. Can I get an amen? All right, now let's think about it. What is the strength of Abraham's faith? Not just the source of it, but the strength of it. Now, now if you'll notice here, in verse number 18, you'll see something that's powerful. Who against hope believed in hope. You know, that's, that's interesting to me. That Abraham, when you look at the Bible, it says against hope, he believed in hope. You know, to me, and I don't know what you think about that, but to me, it's almost as if he's looking at a hopeless situation through the natural eye, but through his spiritual eye he had hope. You ever been there? You ever been in a place when you looked at it from the natural, you thought, no way, but God came through for you? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody in here got a testimony? Now, you don't have to tell me, but have you ever been, anybody in here ever been in a place where in the natural it looked hopeless, but God came through for you? Anybody, can I get an amen? Can I get an amen, y'all? That in the natural it looked hopeless, but God Gave you hope. You know what that's called? Write this down. It's called faith. It's faith. It's believing God when all the circumstances say no. It's believing God when the reports say there's nothing else can be done. It's believing God when the world says this will never work. It's believing God for something greater than the report that you've been given. It's believing God that someone told me today, and I think we can agree with this, that when one door shuts, God will open a better one later on. How many of y'all believe that? Can I get an amen? When it looks dark, God's going to bring a sunrise. When everybody else says no way, God says way. When everybody else says it'll never work, God says, I make all things work together for the good of them that love me who are called according to his purpose. What's that all about? Abraham believed against hope in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. Underline it in your Bible. Abraham believed against the natural because he had a spoken word from God in the supernatural. 
you've got to realize that God had told him this was going to happen. Can I ask you a question? What's God said to you? What's the Spirit of God said to you? What's God going to do? What's God going to produce out of your dead womb? That when he does it, everybody else may say, there's no way. But because you have hope in what God has spoken about you, God brings a miracle out of death and produces something through your life that he gets the glory for. That's a God moment, y'all. I never shall forget <clears throat> a few years ago. And I, I want y'all to know this. I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, Eden Westside is a blessed church. And I think so many times people have forgotten that. A few weeks ago, we were given a certificate of, of accomplishment that we'd baptized uh, more people than, than, than anybody in the county. And we were top 25 in the state of Alabama. You know what I say? Praise God for that. But I remember the person that was the president of the North American Mission Board coming to me. A few years ago, and God was moving and working in our church, and he came and he sat in my office, and we sat there and chatted for a minute, and small talk for a minute. And he said, Brother Jackie, <clears throat> we've done the analysis on Eden Westside. And he said, when we did the analysis on Eden Westside, according to the demographic, of the population that this church exists in. That when you look at the statistics of what God has done in this church as far as reaching people and baptizing people, and he looked at me and he leaned up on the couch in my office and he said, according to the statistics and the demographics, you, Eden Westside, is the largest church in America. And I said, do what? He said, when you look at the population where your church is and the baptismal statistics of that demographic, you are the largest church in America today. Amen. And I said, it took me a minute because I'm from Brompton. <laughs> and I calculated that and I said, oh, I get that, I get that. You mean percentage in the population of the people that are in this vicinity based off the ratio of baptisms. If you were to put us in a, anywhere else in the, in the country, we would, based off the population, we'd be the largest growing church in America because of that population. He said, yeah, you got that. And I thought, Dad, come and I done good. <laughs> and this is what he said to me. He said, let us help you move. He said, Brother Jackie, why don't we help you get to a church in a larger population, in a larger place? And he said, you can't find Eden West Side. Let us help you get somewhere where you're visible. And he said, we would be willing to help you with that. We need you somewhere where there's a larger number of people. And he said, we would be more than happy to help you with that. And I sat there a minute and I said, well, we got two problems. The first problem is God hadn't told me to do that. The second problem is if you move me somewhere more visible, I might get the glory from that. 
But if God keeps doing what he's doing here in a church that you cannot find but by driving over in a helicopter, and God keeps doing it right here, he gets the glory for it. And I said to him, sir, I'd rather him get the glory. Now, folks, what I'm telling you is not to say anything about me. But what I'm telling you is God can do things when everybody else thinks he can't. And when God does something, in somewhere, someplace, somebody, where everybody else says, no way, and God says, I've given them a promise and I'm going to fulfill it. And he does that, my friend, he will get the glory for me. Can I get an amen? There are some of you tonight. There are some of you tonight. Look at me. The devil should have killed you when he had an opportunity to kill you. He should have finished the job, but God brought you out of a mess. God brought you out of a death trap. God brought you out of a mess to get you where he's got you today so that he can birth something in you that somebody else couldn't birth. And when God births something in you that somebody else can't birth, then God will get the glory for it. My friend, listen, that's how our God works. Can I get an amen? The Bible says that, that Abraham believed in the word. And he goes on in verse number 19 and says these words, being not weak in what? Underline that in your Bible. You cannot have weak faith. When you look at your life, your faith will get tested. And you'll ask questions like this, and I've seen people mess it up. When your faith gets tested, that's when a lot of people throw in the towel. That's when a lot of people quit. That's when a lot of people walk away. My friend, listen to me. Hang on to the promise. Though the night comes in, hang on the promise. God's about to do something in your life. Lord, I, I feel that. I feel there's people in this place. Good night, I got glory bumps just then. There's people in this place that God is setting you up to produce something in you where he'll get the glory for it. I feel that there are people in this room right now. Lord, how mercy. There's somebody in this place right now that God is about to birth something in you that when he does it, he will show you a new birth that's going to manifest his glory so that when he births that in you, he's going to get glory and you're going to get I'm just telling you, God's about to do something in your life. Whoever you are, God's about to do something in your life. But listen to Brother Jackie. You cannot be weak in your faith. You're going to have to be strong in your faith. Watch what he says. He did not consider his own body. Because if he had considered his own body, he would have gave up. His faith would have been interrupted and his hope would have been diminished. When he was about 100 years old and 
And neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. But don't look here real quick. We're going to have to hurry because I don't want to disappoint Lee. <laughs> Verse 20. Read this with me, everybody. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. What has God promised you? What has God promised you? God's promise has been established, but guess what? He's got to have your faith. The Bible says, but he was strong in faith. Watch this. I like this. Are y'all listening to me? Read the last couple of words. Giving glory to God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is what I get out of this. I don't know about y'all, but this is what I get out of it. He's giving glory to God before it's ever happened. He's believing God before it ever happens. Let me tell you something. Write this down. Stop complaining. Stop speaking defeat. Start declaring the promise and start giving glory to God for it. What God has promised, God will produce, but he's looking for somebody to give him glory for it. What's God saying to you? What's God doing to you? What's God speaking to you? What is the word of God confirming to you? Start speaking that. Start giving glory to God for the victory before you ever get it. People say, now, Brother Jack, isn't that name it, claim it? No, that's Bible. The Bible says that he didn't stagger. You've ever staggered in your faith? Anybody here ever done that? I've staggered in it. I, I, I'm going to tell you, can I be honest with y'all? When you pastor a church for 30-something years, and you've been a pastor for 36 years, this is the way churches go. Up, down. Up, down. People come in, people go out. People go in, come in, people go out. Can I tell you this? It ain't fun when it's down. It challenges your faith. But my wife has to remind me often, big boy, it ain't about you. I hate it when she tells me that. You, this is the sermon from her, you're called to preach the word. God's called to build the church. And then she says this with authority, preach the word. Can I tell you this, my friend? If your life is based off the mountaintops and the valleys, you'll always be out of balance. But when your life is centered on God, you'll always get a victory. Always. When I think about that, I look at the next verse. It says, being what? Well, let's go back to verse number 21. Being what? Fully persuaded that what he promised, he was able to, also to perform. Y'all believe that? 
And therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Not, not, now, now he, he talks about that. But let's talk about the sharing of Abraham's faith and wrap it up. Not only do we find the source of his faith and the strength of his faith, and oh my goodness, I could talk about this forever, but what about the sharing of it? The Bible says <clears throat> that it was not written for his sake alone. that it was imputed to him. Look at verse 24. But for us also. To whom it shall be imputed. For if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. You know what he was saying? Abraham, by having hope against all hope, and exercising his hope in faith encouraged somebody else. And you know what it did? It encouraged you. It encouraged me. It encouraged everybody that came after Abraham. Listen to me. When people see you, just having faith and hope and not giving up, you know what it does? It encourages them. Because if they see you quit, if they see you give up, then they get discouraged. You know what encourages me tonight? See all y'all in church on Sunday night, on race weekend. Let me ask you a question. How many of you drove here from further than 10 miles away? Let me see your hand. Where'd you drive from? Vincent. Hold your hands up again. Share, where'd y'all you, come from? Lincoln. David. Moody. Where'd you come from? What? We got a Hoover person here tonight? You kidding me? Where'd you come from? Shut your mouth, girl. Huntsville. Huntsville? Somebody else, where'd you come from? Big city of Oden. Good night, you come a long way. I, I don't know you, but you encouraged me being here tonight. I don't know nothing about you. You're here from Huntsville. And you know what? What's your name? Lacey? Lindsay. You know, God may have brought you here, Lindsay, to do nothing but encourage me. God, God may have brought you here to speak something into you tonight, Lindsay, that you needed to hear that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare give up. Don't you do that. You know, Lindsay, I, I don't know you, but when I was speaking, maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the one that God brought here to go. You know what? God wants to birth something in you. It may be some of you that God is saying, get your hope. Let your faith be directed in God. 
Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. The bottom line is powerful to me. Faith gives hope life, doesn't it? Faith gives hope life. Will y'all say that with me? Faith gives hope life. When you have faith that no matter how tough it is, no matter how dark it gets, when you have faith, your hope gets life. Your faith gives hope life. That's what my prayer is for you tonight. Is that God will give you a hope. A hope that's going to produce something in you. That when God does it, he will get the glory for it. So tonight, I don't know who's here. I don't know what your story is, but I've been obedient to encourage you with this. So tonight, I want you to stand with me all over this place, and our minister's going to come. The altar's open. Tonight, you may need to come, and some of you may need to get on your knees. Some of you, your faith may have gotten weak in your circumstance. Some of you tonight, you may be battling hell itself. Why don't you come to this altar and say, God, I want my faith to give my hope life again. I need life again in this dead womb. I need life again in my spirit. God, I don't know what you're going to do, but my faith tonight is going to believe that you're going to do something because I'm going to believe that, God, my faith is going to give my hope a new life tonight. Tonight we're going to sing, and you can come if you'd like to. But I believe there's men and women and boys and girls all over this building that needs to come and say, God, I need my hope to come alive. And I believe it can happen to you tonight if you'll hope in your heart to Jesus. If you need to come and give your heart to Christ tonight, these men are here to help you with that. If you need to join the church, you need to come tonight. But if you want to just come to this altar and get before God and pray, that's what this is about. So let's sing together tonight. You come if you'd like to come. Don't be ashamed to do that. Don't be embarrassed to do that. Just come.